What's up, everybody? Another episode of the Straight Cut from West End Cigars. Yeah. Just not another episode. Number 100. Number 100. I'm Aaron. And this is Mark. And we have a uh, special guest uh, tonight. So it's a twofold guest for me. A, yeah. because it's another cigar guy, which, you know, you and I are both. We're all very, in on that. Vi- we're 100% in on that. But also, this shares my other love of my main job and profession of woodworking. Yeah. We have just an amazing company that, you know, I've been following for a while. Um, it's Vigilant Inc. Humidors are that are work of art. Like, I, I am, yeah. I'm good. I, I know I'm good. I, I, will, I will toot my own horn. <laughs> the stuff that I see them make, like I'm, see, I'm already like kind of stealing drawings and ideas because there's someone that we'll get into later on, but there's those ones where like yeah. I've seen like, damn, I really wish I would have thought of that because yeah. that was, that's ingenious. Can't wait to get into that. But yeah, the love of cigars and for woodworking for me. So I'm glad this is our 100th episode. Yeah. This is a, this is like you said, a dual, dual threat for you. Yep. You've been talking about, uh, uh, Charlie here coming on the podcast for, to me, not to everybody else <laughs> for, it feels like forever because you've been talking about, uh, uh, what the work they do for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we have on the, on the line here, we have Charlie Griffiths, the president of Vigilant Incorporated. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing good guys. Glad to have you on and everything. Um, yeah. So, uh, Mark and I, we are smoking the Tatuaje Fausto, um, 135 i believe i don't remember exactly it's the toro size that's uh this was in my top 10 of last year i should know you should know what it is but i believe it's it's the toro so it's a six by 50 um absolutely love it i i mean there's nothing i can say wrong about this cigar other than maybe the name at least i can't speak properly but that's yeah that's it um, and you, unfortunately, uh, Charlie, are not smoking anything with us tonight because there are rules. You can't smoke in the house, you know. Yeah. There's yeah. <laughs> yeah, we would judge that harshly, except for Aaron and I both have that same role. Yeah, that's why. That's why I, you know, that's why I have a cigar shop at my disposal and, and yeah. work at one. I can I can smoke here whenever. Yes. But uh, let's let's uh let's at least get some of your history in the uh, in in the cigar wise. Um, yeah. How long have you been a cigar smoker? Uh, probably since. Uh, about 35, 40 years, I uh, started sort of dabbling with cigars when I was in my late teens and, uh, you know, just sort of took off from there. And, um, yeah, so I don't smoke as much as I used to, but I still have a good collection and still enjoy really smoking a cigar um, at least uh, once or twice a week if I can. And uh, got a good group of friends who are into it as uh as you guys know that's a huge part of it um yeah you're sharing that that time and uh and love of something with your friends yeah so you're you're up in the uh the northeast corner of the united states you're up in new hampshire so uh, outdoor smoking is very uh selective for your uh, your season but you know what you got to be creative um we're finding that uh with covid it's People are a little bit more uh, willing to do what it needs, what they got to do to, to <laughs> smoke cigars. You know, there's, um, you know, I, I can I can bore you with some history about you know indoor smoking stuff. I have a pretty good uh, bird's eye view into some of the things that happened in the late '90s and early 2000s with the smoking laws. But it used to be that you could 
you know, I'm dating myself a little bit, but we used to be able to go out and smoke a cigar at a restaurant or anywhere, pretty much wherever we wanted to. Um, some, once in a while, someone would say, hey, can you guys go down the end of the bar and stay down that end or what have you? But uh, <laughs> mid, <clears throat> mid-early aughts, uh, it started to get a little bit tough. Yeah, I remember so, that. It, was, it used to yeah. be, especially at the nice restaurants, you didn't get hassled. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. Like yeah. the best, uh, the best steak places. I used to spend a lot of time in New York and Manhattan, and um, the best steak places were smoke-filled rooms. You know, yeah. it was, uh, you know, very different, very different atmosphere. It's ironic. The two places that you, uh, and then that was you would expect that because it was nice, and then, mm-hmm. but it, but the people there were cigar smokers. Um, and now you just, those places are so non-smoking. It's unbelievable. They have like usually a smoking like area. It's not even uh, areas. Like, it's a nook. Well, some <laughs> of the nice, some of the nice cigar uh, steak places will have like well, guess, a rooftop yeah, like, bar a or something. Chamberlain's yeah. down in Dallas. I know they're, <laughs> they have a whole section, but uh, mm. like hell, one, I mean, one of the piano bars I used to go to a lot, like they were totally fine with cigarettes, but yeah, Jesus, if you whipped out a cigar, Oh, that was like the worst thing you That's could do. That's what Vegas is now. It's it's moving slowly towards that. There was uh, it is. Yeah, I haven't been out in a while. No kidding. Yeah, yeah some of the casinos are are uh, they'll never ban cigarette smoking. No, God, no. Um, but they but they hassle um, they'll hassle cigar smoking. Yeah, I think. Well, I, especially at the the table games. Yeah, one of one of the uh, the last casinos we went to when we were out there, like I was just sitting at one of the slot machines and went to go light up a cigar and they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, are you serious? Like this is, this is sin city. You're not letting me do, <laughs> do, do this. I'm like, come on. I can, you can do whatever you want on the strip. Let me smoke something. But, uh, right. yeah. and I, I, I remember when Illinois passed the, passed the laws and grandfathered in cigar shops, but there are cigar shops. Now, if you're connected to another, uh, business, you can't allow smoking at all. Oh yeah, like us, like we're in a strip center. Yeah, yeah. You, this would be a no go. Yeah, in Illinois. So Ugh. yeah. So the so one of the things that um, it was sort of a, a benchmark moment in the business was um, in the <clears throat> around two thousand ninety nine to two thousand one is when you know California is always out in front for yeah. for good or bad on everything, and they. Um, uh, there were a couple of Hollywood celebrity types who were named, uh, remained nameless who basically took it upon themselves to go after the cigar industry because they felt like it was really cigarette tobacco that was getting um, yeah. brought up and that it, they weren't talking about cigars. And <clears throat> the reason I know about it is that we sold um, a good percentage of our, of our business was through tobacconists. Um, that's how we built our business back in 95 to 97. We built, we sold all of our products through tobaccoists. Um, so, you know, we, we knew, we knew it's a small industry and you know, we knew everybody in the business and it's, uh, it was not only a small industry, but it, it was in most cases going back several generations. Um, so when you went to the, uh, IPCR and some of these shows, I mean, you'd have two or three generations of, of people there. Um, you know, the Ewan Reese is from Chicago and, you know, up and down the East coast from, you know, Boston down through New York, Baltimore, Philadelphia, DC. Um, and then we, what we started seeing was that our business basically started dropping off in California. 
And, you know, essentially within a seven to eight year period, most of the old line original tobacconists in, um, in California got either put out of business or really their businesses were really compromised. Yeah. Um, at one point the taxes got so high. I had a customer, actually had a customer. Yeah. A customer that was a tobacconist in LA tell me I can, I can a customer of mine can drive to Vegas and buy a box of cigars and come back for less than what I can sell with a box of cigars. For. Yeah. <laughs> so that's crazy. Yeah. But that was sort of, you know, our, our bird's eye view into, into how that all kind of came down. And then, and then the rest of the country in some cases, in some places, um, followed suit in other places, you know, they, they were able to do pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember when, when I first started smoking cigars, you know, 20 years ago, Arkansas tax was outrageous. Now it's, you know, it's not so bad, but yeah. like I, I was talking to somebody today, like a, a $10 cigar today, you know, 15, 17 years ago would have been damn near close to 20 bucks almost because I think it was like 72% tax. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was a, it was a Hubidor tax and it was, it was outrageous um, from what Brandon's told me. Yeah. I mean, it it was bad, but now it's, you know, it's good. Yeah. Some states have have gone and there was some where they just, they didn't understand the ramifications (laughs) of what they were doing. Oh yeah. 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 But tax um, policy and I owned a shop in Illinois for, for five years um, was part owner and it um, it's just that I don't think people understand the complexity of the tax models that are within the tobacco industry. It's not like owning a, I don't know, clothing store. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different, yeah. um, it's a different business, but oh, well, um, Sam's going to get his no matter what. Sam, well, uh, and yes, that's and, and little true. Sam state state's going to get it too. Right. That's absolutely true. So do you remember your first cigar? I, uh, I've been smoking, you and I have been smoking for a long time. So uh, do you happen to remember your first cigar or what type it was? Or? You're going to be appalled as to what I smoked. But I was, not. Uh, I was um, playing golf very badly um, with a couple of buddies. And uh, one of my friends pulled a pouch out of his bag and it had some backwood smokes in it. And... Um, we lit those bad boys up, and I was like, "This is pretty cool. I like this." You know, so um, so then you know, then I'd smoke a lot of stuff that had a plastic tip on it because that's what I could afford, and um, it was actually good for playing golf or doing whatever because you're not gonna, you know, bite through the cigar when you're um, exerting yourself. And um, but pretty quickly got into you know after I got out of college, I pretty much started getting into. Uh, smoking better cigars. And that's what, you know, as you guys know, that's what the fun of it is. It's, it's similar to people that drink bourbon or wine, you know, finding great, great cigars or great smokes that are a treasure and they're not super expensive and, you know, enjoying the expensive stuff too. Cause some of that's really great. Um, turning your friends on to something that you found or you like to, you like to smoke is, you know, that's a big part of it as we all know. Yep. <laughs> I enjoy uh, playing golf and smoking cigars. I I play golf primarily now because I can smoke cigars with three friends. <laughs> there you uh, go. And I was explaining to somebody the other day that the great part about uh, golf is that you can smoke outside and all that stuff. And uh, and 
I've gotten to the point now where I just don't even care about playing golf, really. So <laughs> I, I hit the ball, and then I worry about where my cigar is. Right. <laughs> I mean, is that the is that the greatest? I'm not going to call. It, is it a sport? I'm going to call it a game. Is that doesn't the, matter. Is that the greatest game that you can smoke cigars with? Maybe pool. No, I think pool golf is. is. Pool squad. Golf, golf is pretty good because you can, especially if you're riding in a cart, because you got you got point. You know, if you if you take it, you know, even if you're good and you take. 70 or 80 swings at the ball, it still takes four hours. So therefore you're spending about three hours and 44 minutes, not swinging a golf club. So right. you just plenty of time to do other stuff. Hey, you, yeah. just, you got, you got beer and cigars, I mean, beer and cigars and you can gamble. See, and that's the thing. Like I, there's a lot, those, of, a lot those, of stuff those, that I enjoy. Those three things. Yeah. Are right in my alley, but I've never, ever played golf before. We need to go. It'll uh, be fun. It seems like uh, it, it depends on how frustrated you get. If, if uh, <laughs> I mean, if it gets that bad, I'll, at least I have at least I have day. vices for me yeah. to to, yeah. <laughs> to to fall back on. It is uh, it is a great uh, cigar smoking activity. What is it? Really okay, fine. Then since what do you think is the greatest uh, cigar you can have while you're golfing? Then so I like a hearty cigar that so when I set it down, it doesn't. Um, it, so I'm pretty and i don't want it to be an expensive cigar because to be honest with you you're going to be out yeah so i like a nice just hearty something so like no padron 64 yeah i'm not smoking a padron like 64 that. but you want you want something that's a pretty big ring gauge because as, you, mm-hmm. as mark said you know a smaller cigar is going to go out it's, it's just hard because you're not sitting there like you guys are right now puffing away you put it down you go do something and you find yourself lighting the thing and then you know what happens when you got to light all the time but just the cigar gets wrecked so you're better off having something like you know 42 to 46 ring gauge you know whatever however long you want so that the thing has got a really good burn going so you can you can you know let go of it for a minute or two and have it still burning pretty good when you get back to it exactly right so is it better to have one for all 18 or one for nine and nine can you smoke a cigar for five hours i can i mean you've seen how i smoke wow you're a delicate guy um (laughs) Uh, no, I, I smoke two cigars. Uh, I mean, you can get outside. you one of those big, you know, big block, the seven seventies. Yeah. I'm not smoking a seven seventy. Uh, yeah, two good sized cigars. Yeah, uh, it works. And yeah. of course, if, you know, if you're, if you're hanging out at the 19th hole, then you gotta, you gotta have one for two. Sometimes I won't light up on the backside. Cause I'm like, you know what? I really want to enjoy this and the golf's going to ruin the next two hours anyway. So I want to do this <laughs> over, over something good to drink. Sitting down, you know. You've got to, you've got to get me on on the course now. Okay, we'll just we could do that as a show. Just me, just you, one of my throwing favorite, shit everywhere. One of my favorite golf course uh, cigars is the Brick House. Uh, I think it's Mighty Mouse. Oh, the, the mighty, the mighty, mighty Maduro. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my favorite all time because it's big, it stays lit, um, inexpensive and good, inexpensive. Yeah. So if you accidentally run it over in your cart, then you just go grab another one. That that's a. So many people come in into the lounge, and they and then they. I've said it m- numerous times. They they pass over it because of the price, because they don't think it's going to be good. Because it's it's like seven and a quarter, six seventy five, something Just like that. Just keep letting them pass. Uh, yeah, I'm like shit. That's more for me. That's an, that's an amazing one. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. So, yeah, more for me. Yeah. So, so what kind of cigars do you enjoy smoking? Do you have a preference? Do you have like a favorite? Brand-wise, type-wise, you know, what what kind of... I'm a little boring. Like, I, I'm kind of old school. Um, you know, I did back in the 
in ninety late nineties, early two thousands, I did tons of cigar shows. I used to uh I used to go you guys I don't know if you remember the <clears throat> cigar aficionado used to do the big smoke. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I used to do the one, I did a couple, I did Vegas, I did New York, uh, at Times Square at the Marriott Marquis, which is just, oh, I mean, you want to talk about, you want to talk about, um, you could smoke a side of beef in that room and it would be fully cooked by the time this thing was done. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally, you know, uh, no ventilation. People were just, you know, having a great time and, and, um. So, yeah, so, no, I mean, Rocky Patel's, I mean, they're big, and I smoke a ton of those, and, um, you know, when I'm, if, I'm, if I've got the budget, I mean, I love Padrones. I actually know some of those guys down there because we've done a lot of work with them, um, you know, job. for their clients and some of their stuff for their corporate offices. Um, you know, I used to smoke. I haven't smoked a lot lately, but La Florida Dominicanas, I used to do smoke a lot of those. Yeah. Um, you know the newer stuff that you guys are kind of talking about. Quite frankly, I'm kind of a kind of a slow adopter, and um, so I I really need someone like you guys to to expose me to some of the some of the newer stuff that's out there. Because I mean, I hear just great things. I mean, there's just so many good cigars out there. It is a it is a good era of new cigars. Hey, we've said it before, we're in the golden age of boutiques and we are, are the yeah. biggest boutique yeah. hose around there. So having said that, the LFDs and the Padrones, you're never gonna go. I mean wrong you can't beat the classics. Right? They're right. classics for a reason. The, the good the hits are a hit for a reason. <laughs> right. So I do like yeah, that. You know, again, you know, when I was younger I smoked a lot more so now it's like I'm like, well, you know, I, I don't smoke as many cigars so I can smoke, you know, I can afford to spend a little bit more on yeah. something and Yep. But I mean, as Mark said, I do not take really good cigars out of the golf course. It's just like you're, you just really don't get to sit there and enjoy it for what it is. I mean, yeah. it's great to have a cigar and you like it. And of course, you know, I always have to bring six extra cigars because someone's going to smell it somewhere. And it might be someone from three holes away. <laughs> Who's smoking the cigars? Let's go, you know. So you don't want to be giving away the good stuff, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that reminds me. So I'm, I leave. I leave the lounge Thursday night here, yeah. and I'm starving. I'm like, I haven't eaten anything all day, so I run to Taco Bell, and I'm sitting there, and I've got my, uh, I forget what I'm smoking. I'm smoking something in my truck and everything. I pull up the window, and this dude is like, "Man, what are you smoking? Is that a Cuban?" I'm like, "Nah, I don't smoke that trash." He's like, "Man, that smells good." <laughs> He's like, "What is that?" I was like, ah. "I was like, I don't know. It's some Nicaraguan." He's like, "Man, that smells good." I was like. You want one? I got another one. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, hell yeah, here. So I just reached through the window. And then when I was leaving, I was like, yeah, he looked 21. <laughs> like, I'm like, it's like, yeah, he, he looked old. So okay, hopefully, uh, hopefully he passed the uh, age <laughs> test. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way I was thinking, I was like, well, it's a school <coughs> night, so he wouldn't be that, but he, he was probably, he's probably 30 something, but I was just like, I'm the same way. Like I, I, I have so many, like I'll just give the shit away just because I'm not going to smoke them all. So I would right. rather, I'd rather just, you know, give, give stuff Cigar, away. Golf courses are notorious for that. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm just like Charlie. I have a huge bag and then I have like a public bag and then I have a private bag. Like, for <laughs> like after this bag the is for my hole. friends. This well, bag this is, is no, me. this is the 19th hole bag when I can protect it. Right. Oh, so, okay. so, but. Do you have, we always ask this question, it doesn't have to be the best cigar you ever had, but it can be just the situation or or whatever. Do you have a most memorable cigar you've ever smoked? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, 
I was uh, I had a box of um, I, I believe it was uh, uh, I can't remember which one it was, but when my son was born, he's now twenty six. <laughs> um, you know, I had a had a box of those, and you know, just getting he was born in September, so the weather was really great here, and uh, just that whole like week to ten days, you know, handing them out, then I had a kid, and then pretty much smoking a cigar with almost anybody that would smoke a cigar with me for that whole time. So that was for sure. That's a, uh, that's a great one. Time. Daughter was born two years later in July, so sort of the same repeat. Um, that was still in the nineties, so those were the times where you know. It was easy to, I mean, again, sitting out at a patio or even inside of a restaurant, no big deal, light up, and it was all good. Yeah. So what's the, uh, what's the cigar culture like up in New Hampshire? So uh, we're sort of, not to downplay New Hampshire, we're kind of a suburb of Boston. We're only 45 miles from downtown Boston where we are, so yeah. a lot of people don't, realize it um but new hampshire has 16 miles of coastline on the atlantic ocean mm-hmm. and um it just tucks in between maine and new Han- and uh, massachusetts <clears throat> actually maine used to be part of massachusetts um so during the uh pre-revolutionary times with uh what was going on with you know the powers that be new hampshire negotiated that 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 coastline so they had a port that was pretty much how everything got around back then, right? There were no railroads and there were no, no really decent roads. So everything was done by, moved by water. So we're, we're just straight up the Atlantic seaboard from, from Boston. So we're super close. So um, New Hampshire has its own identity in a lot of ways, but where we are, it's very influenced by, sort of by Massachusetts and, and Boston. So the culture is, uh, it's strong. I mean, we've got, um, you know, we've got some, some good tobacconists. Um, we've got uh, some good cigar bars. There's a couple in Boston that I'm not sure, you know, <clears throat> if you guys where you are have blue laws. You know, blue, you know we have these blue laws that um, go back 200 plus years that just make absolutely no sense. Um, so, like, for instance, in Massachusetts, alcohol was never able to be sold um, outside of a bar or restaurant on Sundays. And that finally got turned over about eight or nine years ago because they knew they were losing money to places like New Hampshire or Island and Connecticut where people were driving on a Sunday to go pick up whatever. So um, We have that right now. We, you can't buy alcohol outside of a brewery or restaurant on Sundays. Yep. Here in Arkansas. There's nowhere to drive, though, because yeah. it's all through the south. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's all through the south. Yeah, sort of getting close to the Bible, though. Yeah. We are the buckle. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the buckle? Okay. Yeah. So um, we don't have that that issue here. So it's it's a strong it's strong. I mean, it's I, I um, a lot of the you know people that work for me, I call them kids. You know, mostly younger than me, and I, I tell them, I said, you know, you know, what it's business is great now, and it's really crazy, and there's just so much positive energy, and and um, the community is super strong, but it ebbs and flows like crazy. Like I got into this, and you know, when I before I got into it in the early '90s, it was really strong. And then through the middle 90s, it was crazy. And then the late 90s, it sort of ebbed. And around the turn of the millennium, it was really sort of on a down, you know, sort of on a downswing. And then I've seen it come up and down a few times since. And now it's just it's craziness. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're like, it's like we're back on the revival of the mid-90s right now. Yeah. We're yeah. exceeding it in yeah. some ways. Yeah. 
It's funny because the company I, I work in healthcare and the company I work for is in used to be in Boston, but uh, in that sort of suburbs area. So I've flown into Manchester. Um, yep. So I've been into New Hampshire several times. Glory, glory. Yeah, that's, that's, not <laughs> right. that's, that's 45 miles northwest of us. Yep. But yep. A, lot, a lot of people do, do use that airport because it's a lot more convenient. But now with COVID, I mean, you can go to any port, airport you want. You don't right. have to wait in line. Right. You can run <laughs> through the airport naked. Nobody notices. Nobody um, notices. That might put you on the list. Yeah, it might. <laughs> yeah, or maybe not. Logan is, uh, yeah, because Logan's ceilings always feel short to me because I'm a, I'm a fairly tall guy. Fairly tall? Yeah, they're, they're, they're due, I don't know when the last time you were in there, but I mean, it's like, it's like most airports. Have you guys ever flown into um, to uh, Bush in Dallas? Yes. Yeah, several times. I'm sorry, Houston. Houston, Houston yep. That place is perpetually under construction, and I'm not talking yeah. about the wing of no, a terminal. The whole the darn airport. place is... You drive out of there. I, I went and picked up a rental car there about two years ago, and I got into the shuttle, and it seemed like we drove like halfway across Texas. Yes. And the airport itself is 13 miles. The property is 13 miles long, and the rental the rental um, place, car rental place, is about on the other end from the terminal. And you're driving down, and all you see is road construction. You're like, yes. what are they doing? What is the new um, but Logan's been like that too, but it's all, Logan's it's all like that, yeah. I know, I know the, uh, the airport in, in Austin's like that too. It's like perpetually in, in construction. Best. Well, that place is going so crazy. They need to keep that. Oh God. Probably, yeah. yeah. Austin airport's nice, but yeah, Austin is, uh, <clears throat> seriously, uh, <laughs> to say that it's under, uh, infrastructure is like. <laughs> Well, I mean, that, you got to think that's the new Silicon Valley of There's the South. There's 700,000 people or whatever their city in a city that would support about 200,000. I don't yeah. know what the actual numbers well, are. Well, you got to think that's where I, I go down there to get tattooed a lot. Yeah. And so the guy, um, he was saying like, you know, when you go look for a house, it's only going to be for rent. Yeah. You have to have cash in hand that day because you won't get another chance to get it. Like if you find yeah. it, you have to get it that day. I'll tell you what, you Boston. Know, you know, a city's um, grown too fast when you look on the map on your phone and the highway runs into the city and then just stops. <laughs> yeah. Well, the two cities that, and their their highways are always under construction, Nashville and Austin. Oh, you just go, oh, those two places are crazy. Two of my favorite places. We've done a ton of work in Nashville, and I've been down there probably six times in the last six or seven years. And, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it was the fastest growing um city in the United States. I think Phoenix is actually growing faster because people can't get out of California fast enough. But right. um yeah. but uh I went there in the last minute, maybe three years ago and I you know, I travel a ton so I know how to get rooms and cars and planes and whatever and I and I and I'm booking a I booked a hotel for three hundred and twenty five dollars and it was a Hampton Inn at the airport. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I said to the guy, I said to the guy at the desk, I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, People are literally moving here and living in hotels until they can find a place to live. There's not enough housing for anybody to even live in. So um, and plus, you know, everybody, it's, it's a great place. If you guys, they have good cigars. They have some good places. They have most cigars. I love Blend downtown, the Davidoff Lounge. Um, uh, yeah, the Davidoff Lounge is there, yep. Yeah, we we were there. That was 
it wasn't the last concert we saw, but I'm a huge country music. I'm a huge concert fan and uh, country music uh, in particular. But um, we went over uh, Memorial Day and we went and saw a big thing at Nissan and we were at Blend. The great part about Blend is you can see all those drunk girls riding the yeah. scooters. <laughs> That girl took a plant, yeah. right? Yeah. You're just you're sitting there smoking a nice Davidoff ham and charcuterie in a, in a nice Manhattan, and some girl <laughs> just plants, and you're just going, you should not drink and ride those scooters. I just, yeah. I just want I just want to point out that you called me bougie on last week's episode. I did. And you sat there and said you were having a Davidoff with charcuterie and a Manhattan. I was. Who's bougie now? This yeah, guy. That's, I, don't, I don't think you get any bougie in that right there. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> I agree. You call me out on my BS. I'm gonna call yeah. you out on yours. Oh no, I'm bougie. <laughs> is it, is it just a hick name for jerky? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. What I what I love is like whenever so whenever like the world stopped down here three it, weeks it's ago. Beef and cheese. But like so I went to the store because I had to get something and it was like Jesus, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna find a damn thing here. Everything was gone, like lunch meat wise, except those like seven dollar Hillshire Farm like expensive lunchables. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was like, that is my food right there. So. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, when we had snowpocalypse, oh and then the next day we went and after everybody got out, and they were out of pop tarts, and Paula was mad, and I'm going, <laughs> "Welcome to the South, baby." Yeah, pop tarts first. Pop tart, no pop tarts, bread and water. Like, right. No, that's pop tarts first. Like I can't wait to pull me up a big old bowl of bread and water. So you, I mean, you, so when you go to Nashville, do you do private? I'm now I'm fascinated by this. Maybe maybe it's too early to start asking business well, questions. Well, let's let's talk about our cigar real quick, and then we'll get into that. Okay, this is a really nice cigar. Yeah, I love it. Um, I mean, this made my top ten. It can make my top ten every year, but specifically this year. I mean, I love the Fausto. You and I are both huge Tatuaje fans. We both love the yeah. stuff Pete John, John Pete Johnson does. Yeah. You know, we're both SNS members. We are. Um, but this Fausto, I mean, there's just it's it's rich. So it's an Ecuadorian Habano Maduro wrapper, wow. a Nicaraguan binder filler. Um, this one's a six by fifty. Um, so he he makes these on a fairly smaller ring gauge, and that's because these have a higher priming rate. And he just wasn't sure if that higher prime tobacco would work well in a bigger gauge cigar. And but this is like my size. I you know I I don't like anything over like a fifty fifty two. Yeah. So with these, I mean, this is. Primo for me. That, I don't ever think about the Fausto. I'd be you put this in my hand about three times. I don't ever buy these cigars yeah. ever. Well, because because if you're just looking at it, it doesn't really have that ta- that Tatuaje label so much because it has yeah. you know the devil with the wings on the on the box. But yeah. it's you know it's, it's a nice cigar. I, I love it. You know the first third. It's not in my top ten. If you like a, a leathery, peppery cigar, you're going to get that in all three you know yeah. stages. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just now pretty much into the second <clears throat> and you're getting, I'm getting a little more Oak, some leathery, but that richness plays the whole way. It's a, it's a full body with some, with some heat behind it and a little umph. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's one that it's rich. I, it's complex. Yeah, I love it. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, hell Doug smokes one of these like damn near every day. I mean, that's good thing. He works at the cigar good shop. Thing he works here. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm finally starting to get Mo onto Maduro's. This is going to be one that I'm not going to give her yeah, <laughs> for a while. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna yeah. take a hot minute. I, d- I don't want to say it's a big boy Maduro because like uh, <clears throat> you know like Leanne smokes these, so that's oh, yeah. incredibly sexist. Yeah, you better be a mature Maduro smoker if you're going to smoke this because well, be- it's got a lot to it. Well, it's be- it's because of that high prime rate tobacco, yeah. honestly, because it, yeah. it it has that kick and that boost behind it. 
and it but it has that Tatuaje punch that you're yeah that I I long for pretty much. I, mean, I know. So all right, now back to the fun stuff. Now, this is what I want to get into. <laughs> right. You the, want me to... the woodworking side. So um, when you go to Nashville, do you do humidor? I know I know you do all sorts of humidors. So I guess describe your business. Let's let's probably let people know because we Aaron's been briefing me on the cool stuff you do. So I have some background. But the people who are listening don't. So why don't you give us an overview of your business? Um so we uh so uh, the, the idea for the business was hatched, smoking a, smoking a couple of great cigars and drinking some good single batch bourbon on a July night, um, with a friend on a patio. And, you know, we decided with, I mean, the biggest, uh, my friend used to, uh, travel a lot to find great cigars. He was really obsessed and, um, he had a, probably 160 capacity cigar desktop humidor that his father-in-law had given him, which was really pretty. And it was a nice looking box, but it, you know, he had, he had a, an old Credo, um, you know, humidifying disc on the top of it and he'd open it up and the cigars right under the Credo had sort of mold and stuff on them. And then the cigars on the bottom were dry. And so he stopped buying lots of cigars cause he said, you know, I just, it breaks my heart. I gotta, I can't, I gotta throw these away. I'm trying to, try to put them in plastic bags and you know we just started saying that's kind of ridiculous that you buy something that's so beautifully crafted but it doesn't doesn't do a good job taking care you know carry your cigars so we researched it and you know i know some of your listeners won't realize this but this was before something existed called the internet and so <laughs> we, we had to basically go around and talk to people and go on, go into magazines and order catalogs and try to figure out if anybody made anything that, and the only thing we, the only thing we could find is the old moissanaires. Um, so Aaron, I'm guessing you probably had some moissanaires or maybe still do. Um, do you know what they are? No. What is that? Oh my God. You gotta, I gotta send you a picture. So they're still around. <clears throat> they're these stainless steel yeah. boxes that look like, they're, they're almost the size of a shoebox. They're just a little bit smaller. And they had um, holes punched in them. And they had a really crude humidistat on the top. And you plugged it in and you poured water in it. And probably most of the tobacconists back pre-2000, 90, 2000, had them in their display cases and stuff. Not, in, not doing their rooms, their walk-ins or whatever. So you know, we, we realized that wasn't going to really, it was fine for what they needed it for, but so we started doing some research and um, we went through and just, we found a, a guy who was like a retired uh, engineer and he helped us come up with a way to, you know, make a electronic humidification system that was simple because we wanted to keep it simple and it was super accurate. So we came up, you know, we looked at electrostatic, like the things that you see, um, you know, people using their homes is a myth and that just doesn't work because it's, it's too much, it's too intense in such a small space. So we just basically came, you know, we decided to use evaporation with a wicking filter and some fans and just, um, you know, use an evaporative basic system, but we found a really good company down on the Eastern shore of Maryland that made for, for, um, for biotech or science or with lab sciences, they made a very simple humidification uh, sensor and controller. So we 
outsource that. And then we said, well, if you're going to do this, you know, why would you, why would you limit yourself to so, such a small humidor? So that's when we came upon our first product, which was the Reliance 1000, which is an end table. And we still sell them. Um, that's what we built the company on. It's got a drawer in it and it holds, you know, a thousand cigars if you wanted to. And, you know, it was a huge hit, you know, it was a tie of our timing. It was we were very lucky in our timing. Um, and uh, so we sold those, you know, directly through catalog sales and, but mostly through tobacconists. Um, took out full page ads in Cigar Aficionado. Our first ad in Cigar Aficionado in March or April of 1995 cost us 8500 bucks, which we didn't have, but we put it on credit cards. <laughs> and um, that's sort of, you know, where it, it took off. So I was sort of the woodworker and uh, the tinkerer, and my partner was more the advertising, marketing, sort of sales guy. But, we you know, we collaborated together and built the business based on that. Yeah. So, I mean, so did you have a history of woodworking like business wise or were you just like a, a, a you know, do it in your garage kind of hobby? Yeah, no, I, I've been, well, I've been a hobbyist woodworker my whole life. Um, so I loved woodworking, um, but I was in marketing. I had a job. I was working in corporate marketing. Um, my business partner owned his own ad agency. So we, <clears throat> we, we found a couple of local really, really good cabinet makers who, um, who we got to build to build the product for us at the beginning. And we would put the electronics in it and package it and then ship it. So we were really a marketing company at the beginning. But then in, in 2000, we, we, um, we bought out one of the woodworkers, built a new shop, and that's when we started to get into, into wood, wood, you know, woodwork manufacturing. And we have our own electronics, electronics um, manufacturing, too. So you do, you do everything in-house? We do everything in-house. Nice. And is the, is the humidification part of the int? So the, the Reliance 1000, is it the, is the humidification part of that device or yeah, is it? So it's, it's built into it. Nice. Um, but we also sell um, systems on, you know, themselves um, so that people can buy those and put those in, you know, anything you can convert almost anything you want into, into a humidor if you do it right. So um, not all the products do. Some of them, some of them are, designed so that you can take the system in and out for cleaning and for, you know, right. stuff like that. So we do, we do both of that. Well, let's go back to the very beginning because you're, you're talking about, you know, you're up there in the new England territory, the, the name of your company, that's from an old clipper ship that sailed for 125, 130 years. So my yep. God, now was that, yep. a, was that a ship that was mainly predominantly in the new England area? No, the funny story is we wanted to name the company Reliance and our first product Vigilant because the Reliance was an actual clipper ship that brought um, the largest contingent of uh, of settlers to Portsmouth, New Hampshire in 1620. Cool. Um, 16, actually, 1627. Uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1620. So we couldn't do that because we couldn't get the registration. So we had to sort of do a last minute flip. So we flipped the name of the company to Vigilance and the product Reliance. And then when we did that, we did some more research and we found there was a great clipper ship, Vigilant, which did, um, believe it or not, it survived the steam era by, it, it, it sailed the, in the Caribbean as a mail packet until 19, almost 1930. 
Um, and it was, uh, it was built in, in the early 1800s. So, um, it was a really cool, a really cool ship. So we kind of had to tweak, tweak things a little bit, but, um, but it all worked out pretty, pretty cool in the yeah. end. So, I mean, it, if it sailed the Caribbean, it more than likely had some tobacco, probably if it was a mail carrier of some sort. Yep. So that's... Yeah, it was in Cuba a lot. Um, it was, you know, Cuba was really, I mean, I'm not a, a cigar historian, but I mean, there wasn't a lot of tobacco being grown anywhere else in, um, in the Caribbean. It really was, I mean, part of, part of what I do know a little bit about is sort of the, the Cuban the revolution and what happened. Cause you know, back in the day, you know, when I first started going to the, um, the tobacco shows and meeting all the tobacconists and stuff because then you meet the families and you guys know there's the cigar the cigar uh, manufacturers of family-owned businesses for the most part i mean of, yeah. of course the big corporations that we all know about um but when you go and meet the people um, and i met a lot of people that um you know from some of the mainline cigar brands from from before castro that were running cigar factories up until 19 19- 59, 60, even beyond that, because they didn't all get chased out right right away. Um, chased out of Cuba, and you know, again, most of those brands survived and restarted. Restarted for the most part up in Tampa. Yeah, yeah, that's a. I as as a tattoo guy, also, I mean, the Clipper yep. ship has a has a history in the tattooing world. So I I love your logo. Just ha- has that old school Clipper ship. It's just a. That's yeah. America. That's old school Americana. Honestly, that's yeah. uh, that's that's cool. So I was I was glad to see that it was actually named at, that. That was an actual you know ship and everything. Um, yeah. Do you uh do, do you do like the uh, the pieces that you do? Are they like almost spec or do you do custom as well? We do both. Um, so we really we are are what we like to do is a lot of custom work, right? Because that's what everybody loves to do. That's the people that sell, the people that design. We have, we have four full-time designers. Um, you know, we have a whole wine a wine biz, wine cabinet and wine cellar business too. But um, so they love getting custom work, right? Because then you're, you're dealing with a customer who's really excited and they want to they want to have something that they, that's, that's um, specific to them. And, course we work with them and tell them what sort of makes sense from a yeah. you know practical standpoint and humidification standpoint and then they put their stamp on it usually with you know the size the shape the wood species the finish you know we've done some crazy interesting stuff with metals and stamp steel and people send us hardware that they've had from you know, we had a guy who, you know, renovated a saloon in Arizona and he sent us these huge steel hinges that were, you know, they weren't really practical for us to use on, on a cabinet like this. But what we ended up doing was chopping them up and making them sort of um, inlays in, in, as part of the door itself. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, this is pretty cool. And we actually had a guy um, who <clears throat> had a British... Um, kernels. Um, I, I don't know what you call it. It's a cabinet. So when the when the British military was, you know, they obviously were all over the world um, at the height of the British Empire in the uh, middle 1800s. And this the, the British 
military would take these, you know, they, they wouldn't, didn't pack lightly. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And they had fun <laughs> cases and cartons and, and trunks. And this guy had this thing. It looked like basically a, a mini, um, vanity. Like a, like a wardrobe, yeah. like a big wardrobe kind of thing. Well, it was about two feet wide, three feet tall. It had a sink and a sink space uh, basin in the top of it, which you'd only see if you lifted it up. Yeah. The top, you lifted the top up. It had a mirror. It had a place for his his a little hole for where he put his where he did his um his uh, shaving stuff, and underneath it had all all his personal stuff. So this guy had this thing. It was incredible. It was painted with gold leaf, and it had the guy's name painted on it. Ugh, and he wow. sent that to us, and we changed, we converted the whole thing into a humanoid. It was wow. really cool. Oh, yeah, man. we had a picture of it somewhere. And um, I mean, you know, when you do that for somebody, and then they get it back, and they just, they just, it's just how happy and excited people are. I mean, that's like the best part about being in this business. And I tell people that that are in our sales team all the time. I said, you guys could be selling life insurance policy. Who? Who spends money on a life insurance policy and then has a, and then is all happy and, and celebrating about yeah, it? Right? Right. Yeah, Well, and you got to think, so, and, and stuff that was built back then. I mean, that shit was built to last. I oh mean, my god, this thing weighed. This thing was. It, it took two people just to pick the thing up and put it on a. On a uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so I I've been a, a finished carpenter for about twenty one years now, and I've seen yeah. I've seen like stages of everything. We, for the, for the, for the kitchen side and the custom cabinet side that I'm seeing, we're seeing yep. more of a, of a modern feel, a lot of shaker style. Does, yep. does like the humidor side have the ebb and flow or went from like colonial, like raised panel to more of the straight line square shaker style stuff now? Yeah, well, it depends, right? So most of the, most of the end users, like guys like you, it doesn't change a whole lot. They want something that's fairly traditional yeah. um, and standard. But we do a lot of work for for um, high end designers and, and hotels, restaurants. We just did a incredible job with the Ritz Carlton in St. Louis, um, four hundred and eight locker nice. um, cigar room off the lobby. Um, they had a cigar room before they renovated the hotel. They have a really vibrant cigar scene in St. Louis, and um, uh, you know, corporates really involved there. They do all sorts of events. And, um, so that was very, very, uh, specific. So we did, we did, um, there was three walls of cigar cabinets that were, I mean, lockers that, you know, a huge room. They had just gorgeous. You can see the furnishings in there and the leather. And that's By the way, the, I, I went in there when I went back on a follow-up visit and there must've been 30 people smoking cigars and I could not smell any cigar smoke. I don't know what they did for an HVAC system in there, but um, whatever they did, it was, it, you know, they were, they were moving a lot of air. You know, you know how you don't smell, you're know, talking about Vegas, you know, you go out there and you don't smell cigars, you don't smell cigarette or cigar smoke. Yeah. They, they, move, they move a lot of air. So with stuff like that, you know, it's really what the designer wants for. I mean, cigar stuff tends to be fairly traditional. People sort of want that leather. Yeah. You know, we do we do doors with leather panels and we do doors with like with mesh, wire mesh, but you know, we put glass behind it obviously because you gotta keep the yeah you gotta keep the air in the in the in the lockers or in the cabinet. So but we also have seen um, as you point out, we've seen lots of really cutting edge stuff with high end, you know, lacquer, you know, black lacquer. Yeah. Um 
you know, very, very clean lines, not raised panels, but so more of a simple um, design. So it's, um, it's sort of a mix, but, you know, the cigar stuff tends, sort of tends to be more of that traditional, that traditional look. Yeah. Do you go to the 1835 club or 1836 1836, club? yeah. Did you ever go there? Uh, I, I had to make a delivery one time. That was it. There's a club, private club here in Little Rock that's a lobbyist-heavy uh, place, right? And so I went a couple times, and they had a very modern humidor, mm-hmm. like uh, lockers. And they had, like, you walked up to the the locker bend, and it had a glass door that slid away, and mm-hmm. the lockers were very clean. Really? But the lounge itself was, you know, classic cigar lounge, right? Yeah. It was leather couches with a ton of Winston Churchill paintings and yeah. stuff. Um, but the humidor itself, the locker area was was that clean. Yeah, I actually thought to myself, that's the first one of those I've seen that's yeah. been so because they're they're very traditional. Right? Yeah, you, 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 you think of something like what you're right next to is that that dark, rich raised yeah, panel. I'm looking at the stuff like pretty that. Pretty traditional lockers. Yeah, here. but like you know, I, I'm a I'm a big like I I want like that shipping container house. But when it comes to my humidor stuff, like I like that yeah. that old school. That look, I mean, I you know, we both have new airs. I love it, but it's mm. like when it comes to like humidor wise, I like it's, just that. It's not very pretty. I, I no, I like that work of art kind of stuff. Just because mainly because mm, that's, I, I mean, that's what you're I, a modern guy. That's I'm what a I do. Traditional guy. But I'm saying like I'm traditional wise I'm, when it comes to mm. my 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 cigar stuff. So I've uh, the old Ritz Carlton I've seen. I haven't never smoked in there. So I'm I'm interested. I'm. Um, you know, I grew up in the in the taint of Illinois. <laughs> how which much? By, how much? How much shit did I get for, for so that last week? My uh, wife's uh, family was on the herf the other night, <laughs> and they live in. I grew up in Central Illinois, which is between halfway between Chicago and St. Louis. And Aaron last week referred to that as the. I didn't. Taint. I didn't mean it as taint as in bad. I meant just like it's right. just in the middle. Sam it's loved just it. There. For the record, Sam loved it. <laughs> and said it was factually accurate. But um, so I've spent a lot of time in St. Louis. I agree. St. Louis is one of the cool cigar towns. It, Boston's a great town too. Boston's one of my favorite places. First of all, the people out there are, um, like I said, I've worked for a Boston company. Although now I work for a Minnesota company, but so I had bosses. And, and the cool part about Boston people is they're just sort of down to earth, hardworking people like Chicagoans, right? Yeah. Um, and I, so I always connect with people like that, right? So and um, uh, and I had a boss who actually claimed he was more from Maine, although I I swear he was from Boston. But he was a big. He made his point. You go, they're from Boston. He goes, no, I'm from Maine. <laughs> He made, he made it known. He made it known. Like, he'd, he'd make a big deal out of it. And I'm going, yeah, you're, like, just on the other side of the damn line. But, okay, fine. Um, it's it's important to you. I'm not going to argue with you since you decide hey, my pay. Which is like me from Kansas City. Like, I'm from the Missouri side. I'm not from I, the Kansas side. But um, St. Louis has got a great cigar culture. And yeah, that, they do. That Ritz-Carlton has been a smoking hotspot forever. That's what that's Yeah, that when they when they did the renovation, it, it, it's just it's, it's amazing. If you get there, I mean, it's just what they've done with the. I mean, the hotel was, you know, had great bones. I mean, it's a big brick, it's huge. Um, they they basically you know put an addition onto the lobby and um, 
really cool. I mean, they, they did a lot of really interesting design stuff, but they, they were, it was never any question that they were going to, going to do something with this cigar room. And what they did was make it twice as big and better and nicer. And the amount of time and energy and money that they put into this. I mean, everybody that I dealt with was just all in on this. Yeah. Um, and you know, they had all these corporate lockers that they, you know, had to make sure they kept telling people, don't worry, we're going to have more. There's going to be plenty. We're not going away. This is what we're going to do. It's just going to be, we're going to be down for a while. I think it was almost a full year. Um, that they renovated it and stuff. They got some great pictures on their website. So if you want to check it out, just go to the, into Rick's Carlton, um, St. Louis website and check it out. They really did a nice job. Well, the next time we go see Gator and Nick, we'll, we'll yeah. just swing in there. They will not allow Gator and Nick in the Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> in that, I mean, with, the, record, with a name like Gator. <laughs> for the record, I agree with the Ritz-Carlton's call on that. Right. <laughs> I can I can suit up. I can get you in. I can't get Gator in. Um, it's, uh, it's a super nice place. But St. Louis has a ton of cigar shops. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great culture. Yeah. Chicago is amazing cigar culture too. And you talk about Ewan yeah. Reese and some of that, um, but it's Chicago is always a weird smoking town, um, just because of uh, they were early. They were they were not far behind California on some of their smoking laws. Yeah, I think the last time we when that I went to Chicago, it was, you know, with when me and Kelly went, it was. Well, I mean, he lives up there, but yeah. trying to find like a shop that was it was. I mean, you had to travel. Yeah. Out to the burbs of of yeah. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Ewan Reese closes early. And yeah. uh there's a couple I could have probably Cafe Monte Cristo is one of the uh great lounges. Yeah, we we finally found some small mom and pop store, which yeah. I was yeah. you know happy about. You gotta know them though. Yeah. When it comes to uh, you know, getting employees, specifically on the woodworking side, since that's where my forte is. Um, do you bring people in that are green or do you want people to already have like a, a, a nice, a, a knowledge of woodworking or, um, you know, hire somebody that doesn't so you don't have to unteach them bad habits? Uh, the latter for the most part. Um, most of the, pretty much all of our top, top uh, people in the shop have been with us for, for a long time. Um, and we don't, we don't, take that approach because we're kind of, you know, wood snobs. We just do it because mm-hmm. um, we're not opposed to having somebody come in who's got a lot of experience, but we we just have a way of doing things and we want to promote people from within. So yeah. there's a lot of jobs you can, you can start at in the shop that um, don't require a lot of previous training. And um, any, anybody in our shop will tell you the most important part of any project we do is, is the milling of the raw material because yeah. if you're not starting with good square, flat, well milled material where the grain's right, um, you can't build something nice. So that's that's what they you know, and that's where they end up going because you start them from the beginning, you know, and um, you teach them the grain, and you teach them wood species, and you teach them how to use a joiner and a planer, yep. and, and figure out how to get the material not just flat and straight, but make sure it's stable. And, um, and so that's, that's, uh, that's sort of our philosophy. Yeah, no, that's, that's always my conundrum, you know, whenever, so I'm the foreman at, at our shop and it's like, all right, we need to get somebody new in here, 
do I want to bring in somebody <laughs> like out of high school who, you know, college isn't for everybody. I can teach them a great trade, but then I'll actually have to like work with them and baby them. Or do I bring in somebody who has experience where I can let loose, but might not do it exactly to, you know, specifically my standards. Yeah. That's always right. the, uh, you know, that's the, you know, six and one issue. Does with, anybody from your shop listen to the podcast? Uh, no. Right. I, I will say my guys are good. I mean, it's yeah, I know. <clears throat> last week. I'm so glad that we had um, Stephen on last week for the leadership side, because I had to use a lot of the stuff that he was talking about because mm. my guys were trying to kill me this week. It was yeah. brutal on my side. I called each one of my gave him tips on how to give oh you Oh my time. God. It was just like, y'all are killing me this week. He's like, did we just forget everything? But I don't know, but that's a, uh, well, it's funny. So um, I guess about, 12 or 13 years ago is when I first found uh, your business and everything online. So at the time I was, you know, only been word working for, you know, six or seven years. And I saw where you had a thing where it was like apply and I fill out everything. But I, the only thing I didn't do was push send because at the time my ex-wife, like if I happened to get her or whatever, she wasn't going to be willing to move to New Hampshire. So I still had, like I filled out your application all the way to the very end and I didn't push send. So, <laughs> so you could, you two could have been working together. Could have been, I don't know. Oh, Maybe. Charlie, you, you, know, you missed out. It is 2021. Um, we do also have to hire people that are pretty good with, um, pretty good with, uh, technology. So we have, um, you know, we have all your traditional woodworking tools. Yeah. Of course, we we have two really cool uh, CNC routers. So we have one that is a flat panel machine that <clears throat> that cuts all the. You know, you take a four by eight sheet or a five by ten sheet of of veneered material, and it'll cut the the yeah. parts and pieces of of the cabinet part. You know, if there's a kitchen, it'd be a left, a right, the bottom, a top. Yeah. Um, and it does all that, and it drills all the you know, the, the joiner and the shelf pin holes for some stuff. And then it, then it gets turned over to sort of traditional woodworking in terms of, um, wow. you know, face frames and doors and things like that. And then we have another one <clears throat> that we bought a couple of years ago, which is pretty cool, that um, the material is for solid wood material. So the material sits up on pods off the table yeah. that, the, that the head of the router can get to the sides and do joinery. So we make like we make entry doors for wine cellars. So this this machine we mill the material, and this machine will cut. Um, if you imagine a an entry door into into a wine cellar, it'll cut the the styles, the rails, um, the jams, top jams. It cuts all that, and it puts all of the hinges and the hinge lettings and the strike plates and yeah. all the and all that. It does it does all that stuff. So that that's you know it's really for most of the standard products. Um, which, you know, you think people say, well, why, you know, you take it, you know, you're not you're letting people do their job. Well, the guys love it because it's really for the standard stuff that they'd have to do over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said they like the custom work because the custom work's much different. The custom work is pretty much like it's always been, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they have to sort of, you know, work with the material with their hands, you know, to build what, um, what the customers, you know, had up for yeah that's, that's awesome that, that's what i do i we don't you know I, we don't have any uh cnc at our shop we do all table saw uh, you know hand routers yep. if the, if yep. there's if there's an arch cabinet or a curved cabinet 
I'm, you know, I've got a, a straight ruler and I've yep. got, you know, I've, I've got, you know, the router on a X, Y axis. I, I am my own CNC pretty much. It's, yeah. I always say, you know, whenever I buy the company, the first thing I'm buying though is a CNC <laughs> because <laughs> I, I want a little help when it comes to that. But well, I, I down in place quite a bit. Yeah. But I, I enjoy that kind of like, you know, I like seeing, I like seeing a stack of raw products and then yep. seeing the the look on the customer's face whenever they're whenever yeah. their, their kitchen's done, or they see like in the middle step and it looks like in disarray. I'm like, oh no no no, like it's fine. This is how it's supposed to yeah. look. And then right. and they just have that that shock of like, wow, this isn't. They don't really know how stuff is made. It's kind of like right. seeing how the sausage is made. Nobody really, nobody really knows how it's made, but they just see the final product. You know, you're not. We're a fully custom shop. We don't have anything spec wise. You know, I'll I'll do the drawings and stuff like that. And then when it's done, it's like, all right, job well done. On to the next one. Now it's, uh, so if anybody yeah. needs a, a curved vent hood, um, I built one too small last week. Um, so I have, <laughs> I have, I have, a, I have a curved vent hood if anybody wants one. I read, I read my own drawing wrong. And uh, I realized, realized after the fact when I was loading in the trailer. So. Oops. Yeah. I've been there many times. I will say the first one took me five hours to build. The second one took me three. So <laughs> you learned on your way. I got faster. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, teach teach an old dog oh, new tricks. That was or, I'm telling you. Last week was brutal. Yeah. It was it was bad. So um, what's uh what's some of your biggest products that that you sell? Because I will say your Sentinel 250 is probably one of the coolest. Um, humidors I've seen the the wall mount yeah like, the wall mount oh yeah. my like I saw that that was one of the things I was like man I really wish I would have thought thought of that and also the humidor that I saw um, that you built into a drawer of a cabinet that is absolutely ingenious I love that yeah. idea we do some of those those that we call those humid drawers um, we're actually trying to try and make it a little bit easier for the customer to figure out so we're you know, the customer, um, right now what they'll do is send us a drawer from like their desk or from their kitchen or their office. Mm -hmm. And then we, we put it in there because, you know, we don't want to have them send us measurements and have it not be exactly right. Um, so we do, we do a lot of that, which is really cool. And then believe it or not, I mean, the, the Sentinel 250 is not, it's, 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 that one's, um, a great product because you know you can live in an apartment, you can live anywhere, and you can just we, we send you these Z clips. And since Aaron, you're in the woodworking business, you know what those are. Oh yeah. Um, you know it's got Z clips on the back of it, and you mount these Z clips in the wall, and you sit up there and hang it on the Z clips, and plug it in, and you're good to go. But believe it or not, ninety percent of those are the ones that are built into the wall, and people will cut a hole in. Mm -hmm. um, we, have a, we have a new one coming out that fits between, you know, 14 and a half inch, um, you know, 16 on center studs. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually a video on our website of me doing it in my basement. Um, and then, yeah, but most people are willing to cut a hole in their wall and stick it in there. And yeah. um, they're amazingly popular. We can't make them fast enough. And um, and it, it's, been, it's been a great product. And then again, people... You know, people want customized things. They want it to be, um, I think you mentioned something about it at the beginning of the, of the, the show where people, it's, you know, there's bespoke nature of things. They say, well, can I have it a little bit different size? Or can I have it, can you make it out of walnut instead of mahogany? Can you finish it with this color? Can you put these cool knobs on it? 
And, you know, that's what we love to do. And we, you know, we say, yeah, of course we can. You know, a lot of other companies are like, no, 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 no. You know, it's like Henry Ford. You can have any color you want as long as it's black. And that's the way they want to do it. And, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's not um, a success. I mean, um, a recipe for being a mega corporation because it doesn't scale, but it's, it's what we love to do. And yeah. it's really what, what, why you go to work in the morning is to work yeah. with people and give them something like that. No, I, I, I say it like almost every week. Like if I wanted to retire rich, I wouldn't be a woodworker. No, that's it. You know what? You make a lot of sawdust, not money. Yeah. Like I've, I've said, like I, like carpenters, like me, like we die on the job. There is no retiring for me. I'm going to die at my table oh. saw and that's it. <laughs> Love Hopefully the idea. With all yeah, yeah. I got all 10 still. I love the idea, though, that you have that product that you can cut a hole in the Dude, wall and just put it. It is so badass. Like, it's one of those things, like, damn, I really wish I would have thought That's of something such like a that. Great idea. It's, I'm, uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to steal that idea from my own office. So, thank, so thank you very much. Um, but no, it, because how, how, do, you, how do what? Have you heard about this glass? Like, so, we put glass, we put one, we made it super low profile. And the guy told us about this. So we found this company that makes this insulated glass that when you push a button, the glass turns opaque. Oh, yeah. It frosts and everything. Yes, I've seen that. So he didn't want anybody to know that his cigars were in there unless he decided he wanted to know that cigars were in there. You can imagine we were all playing with that thing for for days before he said it. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. That's oh, badass. I don't even want to know how much that glass costs. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, I, think, I think the glass, I think it was like $1,400 just for the piece of glass. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It had, okay. to be, had to be wired, had to be wired in the low, the low voltage system. It was, it was not, uh, it was not a simple task, but you know, again, that was really fun. It was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Now it's like, I, we get to do, you know, a few like, you know, furniture pieces. And I, when we do, I, I, I take my time on everything, but when it's a true furniture piece or an armoire or something like that, like I'm going to spend every little bit because I want to, you know, it's, I, you, you probably have the same philosophy as I do. Like I have to treat it like it's going in my own house. Like if I'm not going to be happy with it, they're not going to be happy with it. I mean, I've said it last week, I'm my own worst enemy. Like I will critique everything so bad when it's mine, they're not going to see a flaw. I'm going to see it but I right. want to make sure that there is no flaw that they will act, that they will ever see. And just, you know, just seeing your product that you have online and on your Instagram. I mean, it is just, it's works of art. It really is. And it's woodworking is a dying trade. Unfortunately, it it's, um, you know, it, it's harder and harder for me to find people who want to get into a trade because at the end of the day, you're tired, you're dirty, you're going to smell like shit if it's in the like a shop like ours where it's not heated or cooled. You know, we're in the middle of Arkansas. It's going to be hot come the summertime. It's going to suck. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's just really no better feeling than blowing yourself yeah. off with the air hose and all that dust goes flying everywhere and then restarting again at, you know, for me at 5 in the morning just because it's yeah. – I, I love it. It's I, – I wish there was more – you know, I wish there was more schools that did woodworking more often because that's where I got my love for it. But most of the schools now, they don't have shop class. Everything has gone to coding classes and, and stuff like that. It's there, there's, there's going to be a time when, you know, 
the older generation, unfortunately, is dying out, kind of like the cigar wise. So it's up to the younger generation like me to come into, you know, not just woodworking, but any sort of trade work itself, but also in the cigar world as well. So I'm trying to knock out two birds with one stone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm fascinated with, cause I'm a tech guy. So I'm, I'm pleased that they have coding school makes it easier for me. Well, to yeah, hire. yeah. But, um, I'm, I'm fascinated with the, with the humidification stuff because I mean, I, I agree. That's one of the areas now there's been a bunch of progress made on that side, but I have an end table, uh, humidor that I have trouble with humidification on. I, I bought it. It's a nice piece of furniture, but I've struggled with the humidification. So obviously I'm going to go check out the website yeah. after this. Cause I, I now have a solution to the, because one of the problems you have in there is you either have one of these really active humidification thing, and then you have a mold problem, or you have this, like you said, really uneven, you have right. a lot of humidification near whatever it is, yeah. or you have 15, and I, I'm not ripping Boveda because I use it in my smaller humidors just fine, <laughs> but or you have 15 Boveda packs everywhere, and it's, it's not very even, right? Yeah. And so... Um, I'm, I'm fascinated with, um, you know, especially, you know, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the 1000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so, mean, how um, does that work? The, the critical thing behind all of it. And this, this, uh, we do a lot of, of, uh, of conditioning for wine as well. It's very similar concept is that you, know, you use the word active. It's an active system, but it's not an overactive system. So, you know, we tell people when they get a, you know, they get a new system or a cabinet from us, you know, don't turn the thing on and expect it's going to be at 70% right away. You don't want to do that because, it, and first of all, you don't want to do it with your cigars in there yeah. because the cigars are going to soak up the moisture way faster than, than the wood is going to, is going to do that. So, you know, you, you condition that you turn the system on <clears throat> Again, it works very. The, the the complex part of the of the system is just the electronics of it. The the mechanical side of it is very simple. And that we again back in the day, and we've also obviously revisited this so many times when people ask us about changing things of how we do them. You know, we basically evaporate small amounts of water over a large as large a surface as possible, so that when it's introducing moisture into the space that it's not doing it in one little teeny spot. Um, that's why electrostatic, I mean, doesn't work because it's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't spread out evenly, right? It's going to always have a hot spot. So, um, you know, you, you turn it the our unit on, you bring it up very slowly, you get it so that it's, um, it's where you want it. And then you start putting cigars in it. And the other thing is, is that, you know, a full humidor is way better than a half empty humidor. Yeah. Because the cigars themselves keep each other company, if you will, right? So once everything in there, the wood, the cigars, they're all where you want them. I mean, I don't like 70%. I'm more like 68 because I just like them a little bit drier. Um, and I sound like an old fart, but <laughs> they, I agree. They, they, they tend to roll cigars tighter than they used to. And I, I don't know if that's really true or not, but I just noticed it with, you know, you know, I've been doing it for a long time and, you know, a 70, 71% cigar can be really tough to smoke, right? Because the tobacco, you know, your, your binder, 
and your filler might just be a little bit, you know, a little bit more moist and it doesn't draw quite as well. It burns hotter. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, um, you know, less is more almost in a sense. Yeah. The, uh, he just showed me the picture of the wall humidor. <laughs> it's the sexiest thing. It is. It's so good. I, it is dead sexy. Um, but I I agree, th- and I, that's why I like. I'm fascinated with this. So I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> because I've struggled with that humidor. I love that humidor. It's a beautiful piece of work. Um, it's a nice piece of work. I um, I wish I had known your company at the time. I would have solved myself a lot of problems probably. But um, man, now I need a wall humidor. <laughs> okay. Um, this <laughs> that that's amazing. Yeah. Um, because the the technology in a in a bigger humidor has got to be different than in a small humidor, and that's what I'm fascinated with. This I love the idea of, and I agree with you. I was trying to when I talk to new people about humidors, I I think your point about cigars is 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 a great one. And it's my first one. Half empty cigar a humidor is 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 a big mistake. Yeah. Because that's dead air every time you open it up that goes out yep. and comes in with whatever, if like in the summer down here, comes in with 90% humidity. Mm-hmm. That's bad. Right. right. <clears throat> but if you, if, if it's full, it doesn't really impact it. You shut it and then there's the air is very little. Right. And so yep. that, um, I, I found with my end table one that I, I will put, boxes in there yep. sometimes even just empty boxes if i'm low on cigars which is a crime against humanity but if i'm low with cigars i'll put empty boxes in there just to fill up space only makes sense so and then i'll buy more cigars so one of the questions that because we're we're in uh we're in a club a cigar club and we one of the questions that you know always hear get tossed around is <clears throat> like um like uh, trays, do you do you also do like cedar trays and stuff like that? Yep, yep, we do, we do. So, um, you know, then you get then you start getting into the cellophane, no cellophane, leave them in the cellophane. Students don't have cellophane, so what do you do there? So, um, again, I, I have you know having cellophane in your uh, in your cigars is kind of nice, right? Because they don't get the wrappers don't get torn, right? Yeah, and. They're not going to lose humidity as quickly, but they're also, if they're a little dry, it's going to take a lot longer for them to get, you know, to get where you want them to go. And that's, that's again, you know, a lot of our customers are type A driven guys for the (laughs) most part. They're not patient and they call you up two weeks after they got the humidor and they go, my cigars aren't perfect. They're like, where, where were they before this? They're like, I have no idea. I'm like, well, wait two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Call me, call me next month. Yeah. Call me in a month, right? Because you know, you, you, it, it's not going to. Even if the cigar is is, is is you know is put in there and it's it's whatever, it's it's not going to change in in twenty four thirty six hours. It's gonna it's gonna take three weeks for it to to dry out and be bad, and it's gonna take three weeks for it to kind of get it where you want it to be. And plus, a lot of people have never had this much control over yeah. you know over the inside of their cabinet or their or their humidor, so then they're not used to what's doing and you know you start tinkering with the numbers all the time and moving the dial up and down then you have no idea where you you don't know where you've been and you don't know where you're going yeah you just have to leave it alone for weeks and weeks and weeks and then you say hey you know these seem a little you know i I always 
people always look at me funny when I say, you know, a moist cigar burns hot. And, and, you know, it's because there's more steam in the smoke and it's getting into your back of your mouth. Um, so you got to get to where that is and then decide, okay, let's dial it in now. And by the way, if I take it from 70 to 68, it's going to take three weeks at least for those cigars to start smoking like they're at 68. Yeah. And I think we live in a time now where cigars don't need to be sitting at 70 pH also. Just the way the, you know, the, no. the, the way the tobacco has changed. You know, I like mine, like what you were saying. I like mine in the, sure. the high sixties, yeah. 67, yeah. 68, 69. I, if, if my, yeah. if my stuff hits 70, I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, well, like turn that. everything off. I think they burn cooler. I think your point about the, the steam is, is one point, but I also I, think you've yeah. got to work harder to keep it because they, you, you're worried about them going out and, and some of that stuff. And I find that a 68, 67, percent humidity yeah. cigar burns a little cooler because i don't have to smoke it as hard yeah um, exactly and I, I i i completely agree and steve uh and i have had this conversation that's why i like the the lower humidities yeah. i'm a lower humidity guy yeah. i i will even go down as far as 65 yeah well it's like all yeah. the, all the bevetas i keep in my stuff i keep i get the 69s i don't do the 72s 72s mm-hmm. is just way too much so i'm i'm the 69 and, and below for I'm a Bavetas that I got. Yeah. I I'm I'm a big low guy, and yeah. I'm I'm fascinated with the. Uh, so one of the I'm I'm the humidity humidification to me is the is the part. Uh, I'm, oh, that's the lifeblood of of cigars. But in big humidors, that is the challenge, right? Because with larger space humidors, this is the part that um that I'm that I'm I guess a little more familiar with the, because. Boveda is nice in smaller spaces because mm-hmm. it's, it's it's easier to control with that. But with the bigger spaces, they just don't work as effectively, and yeah. um, okay. that's what I'm fascinated with this about. And that's uh, that's why I, on this, that's what I that's what I heard that I'm uh, I'm particularly interested in. And then the wall thing is just yeah, I'm blaming yeah, well, you totally <laughs> when I buy one of those. Yeah, our system. The evaporative system scales really nicely. We do display cabinets, we do armoires. We use basically the same, the same electronics. We just scale up the size of the, yeah. the reservoir, you know, the the wicking filters and the fans. And you know, sometimes on the bigger ones, you've got to have like, you know, like you do on your um, on the controls for your you know your AC in your house, where you put the fan on auto or you put it on fan. Sometimes we have to have the fans or a fan or fans running um, just by themselves all the time, right? Not necessarily introducing moisture, but circulating the air for a couple of reasons. One, to make sure that it's evenly spread out. And two, that wherever the sensor is, because there's a sensor in there that's sensing what the humidity is, you want to make sure that's sampling a fair, um, fair sample of what's going on in there so that you don't have your cigars on you know one end of the humidor being too too humid and on the other side then being dried out. Yeah. Well, I can probably say just off you talking, you're you're going to be selling one of your uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> humidification systems uh, here shortly. <laughs> yes, I will be checking that out. Yeah, because I need well, I need to figure that. Yeah, no, I do, um, because that's the reason that humidor is not running. Yeah, because I haven't been able to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. I've tried 15 different ways yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I need advice. I, the fact that the, the, the 1000 has it built in 
makes me regret that purchase 20 years ago. Yeah. Wish I had known that you guys were selling the, the combination that to me in those cabinets, that is the, when they're built in like that, that's the smart way to do it. Mm -hmm. it I mean, it's, it's, it seems better to have them separate and that way you can whatever. And I, it's just not the right way to do it. That's what I've learned. That's my experience. I yeah. wish I had bought the complete unit. I mean, it, you're, I mean, you, you can say you're in the heirloom business. I mean, your products are built to last. It's yeah. built to last generations. And, uh, you know, and just, you know, you use all the, you know, you use terminology that I'm used, used to. So I know what you're saying, yeah. but, you know, and just looking at the product, you can tell, you know, just by glancing at a product, how it's constructed and how it's going to last over time. You know, the shit at Home Depot that's all, you know, cork sure. board or, you know, particle board, you know, if it takes a three foot drop, yeah, it's going to be demolished. Whereas if it's something that's solid wood, you know, it can take a beating and it can take time. Just like, you know, we were talking about that old, you know, British, you know, vanity, you know, that thing was probably, you know, a full, you know, you know, six quarter solid Oak that was, you know, built to last, you know, the, the test of time. Well, uh, we, uh, one of our 1000 survived, um, multiple ragers at Charlie Sheen's house, plus a trip down a staircase. <laughs> See that needs to be on your website. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear us the brief that the, that the uh, reader's digest version of that story. Oh, let's, let, let's hear everything. Yeah. Okay. So we had a really good tobacconist in Toronto who sold a ton of our R1000 cabinets because that was where everybody was buying their Cubans during the day. This was in the early 2000s. And um, he was a very twitchy, nervous, Nelly type of guy anyway. And he called up one day and said, uh, there's something wrong with one of your cabinets. It doesn't work right. You need to make this right. You need to fix this. I've got a very good customer. He's very upset, blah, blah, blah. And... Um, so we said, hey, hey, no problem. We'll fix it, whatever the problem is. And one thing led to another, and we sent out a, a crate, an empty crate. We had no idea who the customer was. Um, the crate comes back three weeks later with a cabin in it, and a couple of the guys opened it up, and it looked like it had been, you know, gone, you know, 14 rounds with Mike Tyson. <laughs> and um, so uh, we find out, you know, we call up and say, what the heck is going on here? And then we find out that he goes, this is my customer, Mr. Sheen from Los Angeles. He's very upset. And uh, I say, well, we'll get it fixed. And it had a lot of damage. It had been turned upside down. So water had gotten in certain places. And um, I was off doing something one day and I came back to the shop and the guys were all standing around the thing. And um, they said, <clears throat> It looks like someone took a ball peen hammer to the top of this cabinet. We can't figure out what the heck, you know, was being done to the top of this cabinet. And a couple of days later, um, I walked in and someone had taken a high heel shoe and put it on top. It was basically stiletto heel marks that were all over the top, <laughs> all over the top of the humidor. So anyway, we fixed it for him, and I put a note in there that said, "No problem, my man. We got we got you taken care of. You know, catch me on the backside." I never heard back from him, but <laughs> must have been a hell of a party. I'm about to say, <laughs> I think it was more than one. <laughs> well, Charlie's known for a good time. So I wonder what I wonder what uh, female he pissed off to get a well, or it was a good time. I think <laughs> yeah, you should have seen it was a party. Tiger blood, tiger blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh. I, I just looked at the 1500. 
I'm just like showing you wood, like woodshop porn Paula's, as we're going. Like Paula is going to is going to throw a punch you when she sees you next, because <laughs> that 1500 traditional uh-huh. is just spectacular. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice. That's just, that's taller. That's 36 inches tall. So that's that. Could, you can still put it next to a chair if you wanted to. That's beautiful. Um, that is beautiful. Although the the black um, is would look great in my office the the sentinel 1500 all black with like that opaque door oh oh that's that's beautiful work that is um that's that is just those are those are classy as hell yes i mean it's what yeah i'm i am a i i'm i've been a wood guy for 21 years and that stuff is just it's it's amazing that's yeah yeah so you you've been around for 25 26 years now is that correct? Okay. So what uh what do the next 26 hold for you? Uh that's a good question. You know, we're we're always thinking of new stuff and new products and we got a great team of, of really dedicated employees and we you know, try to have try to have fun every day and make people happy and hopefully that's what we can keep going. Yeah, it's, I, I I say it all the time. You know, I work at a, a cigar shop. The worst day at a cigar shop is better is is a better day than what a lot of people have. I can I, I'll say the same thing working at a wood shop. You know, yeah. Even though last yeah. week was an absolute cluster, and it was just a shithole of a week because nothing worked right. It was still a better day than sure, tons in. of people had. Sure, you know, sitting yeah. suit and tie sure. know, in a little cubicle. It's just I don't have to wear a tie, but. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me that I have a central region finance call first thing tomorrow morning. <laughs> on Zoom. <laughs> on Zoom. Yeah, yes. Yeah, on Zoom, yeah. Well, we're going to spend a lot of time worrying about uh, cost projections. <laughs> You're awesome. Thank hey, you. Yeah, I, I have, uh, what do I have tomorrow? I do, oh, I'm working with some walnut wood that I got in. So nice. I'm, I'm well, excited you should have about fun. that. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. But, uh, yeah. But uh, is there anything else that we need to... Uh... This has been amazing. I've enjoyed all of this conversation. Your, your work is... I would encourage everyone, um, just go look at the humidor porn on the site. Um, <laughs> because it is some some of the best that I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that wall humidor is one of the coolest ideas I've seen in humidors, period. Yeah, and the that fact is, that, like, I didn't even think about, like... Just going in between studs. Oh, that's such. Oh, that's such a great idea because that would look so good in an office. Flush mount. Oh, oh. subtle. It's nice. Oh, yeah. oh, that's beautiful. Yep. And if that glass was, you know, fourteen hundred bucks, I might, I might have to. You know, cigar guys, we know what we're buying. So if you're gonna, you know, it's a, it's an investment. But just being able to yeah. go opaque, opaque, non-opaque, just, <laughs> just. See, but here's the thing. Like, I'm, I, I want to. Here's the conundrum. Like I like looking at my cigars. Oh, I do. But at the same time, I'm a I'm a very tidy and neat person for working in a wood shop. Like that's that's my dirty part. But like seeing all my stuff like lined up perfectly and all that. Like I'd almost want to like get the clear glass so I can just stare at it. And, but you can see I, through it. You could with the with the fancy <laughs> glass. You could hit the button and I'd let see, I would just see. be sitting over there just like touching the damn thing. Yeah, over you'd and over probably again. break it because you'd be hitting the button too much. <laughs> That's that's probably it. Yeah. So where can they where can they see um, the great work? Read how to get the uh, the uh, stuff and re- get a hold of you. Where where are you yeah. available? Vigilantinks.com or just uh, 
type in vigilant humidor into Google, we should be the top, should be the top um, response in there and give us a shout or shoot us an email and we're very responsive and we would love to help, help you out. Awesome. And there's also a, a nice little blog section on the website too. Um, so you can read through, you know, blogs about cigars and everything like that. So it's a, it's a very, not only informative website, but stuff where you can like, okay, I need that. I need that. Throw all that stuff in the cart and then, uh, <laughs> and then get it going. That's awesome. I assume, cool. I assume since you got a website, you ship all that stuff out or you, do you go through local B and M's too? Uh, we ship, we ship everything direct. Awesome. Awesome. Are you going to be going to uh, any of the trade shows this year, TPE or PCA? You know, with uh, with COVID, it's been everything's been so much up in the air. I don't even know who's. Um, if you got any word as to what's actually going to be live and what's virtual? So TPE is live. That's in um, mid to late May, uh, I believe. That uh, I know we're going to be that we're we're probably going to be there um, for yep. that. Um, and then PCA, I believe, is the weekend after Fourth of July. Um, that's still going live in Vegas. Um, yeah, so both both trade shows are still are still on. Oh, good. Yeah, so. yeah. TPE has said they're going for yep. sure. Yeah, they're going. So, all right. See well, how, how well it is yeah. attended. Yeah, hopefully we'll we'll go. I mean, it's still the little brother, but uh, they're they're getting they're getting better, I'm getting on up there. So, man, I we appreciate you coming on this uh, for the show. Fun. It's one I've been looking forward to, and yeah, so. So thank you for being on for our hundredth show. Um, You're welcome. It's been a it's been a fun. It's I've been giddy for this one. <laughs> you have. If you guys, if you guys need anything? I'll uh, if you don't have my direct my direct info, I'll get it to you tomorrow. And you call me if you need anything. I'll take I'll take care of you. Yeah, David, it'll we'll, be awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll, t- we'll talk off air and everything, and uh, get that going. So, I pre- I appreciate it. Um, you know. I'm, I'm glad to see, you know, people in this industry really do, um, you know, you know, have a passion for, you know, not just the, the customer, but for the woodworking side as well, because, you know, cigars, it's a hobby. It's a hobby that, you know, most guys jump in feet first. Like you said, type A, a lot of cigar guys are type A, so they want, you know, the best products out there and you know just seeing all the all the stuff that you do it's definitely it's definitely there and uh so as a as a fellow cigar guy and a wood guy thank you for that so that's uh, it's cool seeing that so all right well uh we will see everybody next week later